Welcome to the Measure Success Podcast, where we feature top leaders on how they measure success in their business and life. Now, let's learn from their experiences. Carl J. Cox here. I'm the host of the Measure Success Podcast, where I talk with top leaders about effective strategies that inspire success. This episode is brought to you by 40 Strategy. 40 Strategies built to make strategy work for small to medium-sized companies by designing world-class strategic plans, but more importantly, help keeping them accountable to actually get it done. To learn more, go to 40strategy.com. We're also really excited to say that we've launched our first strategy course. It's not your normal course. It's actually something that's a live setting with a group of other great entrepreneurs and leaders. We do this in a Zoom type setting so we can help reach and have a greater impact to more people. Once again, to learn more about that, go to 40strategy.com. We often do a shout out on our podcast and the shout out here is to Kevin Lawrence. Kevin Lawrence is the author of Your Oxygen Mask First and he also provided our current guest who's Nigel Bennett. Really excited to have Nigel with us today. He's the founder and owner of International Business Development for AquaGuard's Environmental Response Services and Equipment Businesses specializing in marine oil spill response for over 30 years. He's also the author, author of Take That Leap, Risking It All for What Really Matters. And he also has his own co-host of Impact Podcast here. He has multiple other things we could talk about, but Nigel, we got to get started because we had too much fun before we even kicked off this podcast. Nigel, welcome to the Measure Podcast. Hey, Carl. Thanks so much. It's awesome. Yeah, we did have a lot of fun chatting just before. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me on. And thanks for Kevin again, uh, Kevin Lawrence. I worked with Kevin. He was my coach for probably 18 years, probably, and helped me become the guy that I am sitting in front of you now. So thanks, Kevin. No, yeah, Kevin is loved the conversation with Kevin, and, and right. to you, I think what's you're you're really a testimony of his work, right? You know, mm -hmm. you were able, to, he was able to help give you coaching guys. You had a successful business, but you helped it. So let's let's talk about yeah. that first, right? Because mm -hmm. you know, this is an entrepreneurial business type podcast, so to speak. Yeah. Of course, we talked about the personal side, but hmm. tell us about the business that you stole or CEO of, and and yeah. what tell us more about that. Yeah, it's um, it's called AquaGuard Spill Response, and what we do is we design and manufacture kind of state-of-the-art oil spill response equipment for marine oil spills. So, you know, uh, back in 2010, there was the uh, uh, BP Horizon oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico, that massive, crazy uh, incident there. Well, that's the type of stuff that we get involved in. It's our equipment. At that time, we had people involved, too, because um, we had a base in, in um, Panama and some equipment from Mexico that we sent across as well. So, yeah. So, uh, and we've, you know, we... Um, started in 1992 and uh we've done business in about 104 105 countries around the world uh anybody that's got a coastline pretty much that's moving oil on the surface of water yeah so we um we provide our equipment as a standby um almost like you know a fire extinguisher in your house just in case you have a, a fire or a fire truck just in case there's a fire our equipment's on standby just in case there's an oil spill so it's it's containment so we contain um uh, spilled oil. And then we have small to very large offshore skimming systems, which would lower over, over the side of a ship that you would, that would float. And we have propellers and remote controls and it basically pumps the oil back into a ship uh, uh, to recover. it. Yeah. Lots wow. of fun. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much. Cause I, I was, I had one of my kind of curious questions, which is, well, how, how often mm 
mm-hmm. do oil spills happen? So, I mean, mm-hmm. forget, I, I know that wasn't part of, I wasn't even planning to talk about this, but I'm yep. curious, like how often do these, let me ask you, maybe minor spills happen, right? Yeah, we hear day. the big every ones day, the everywhere. Yeah. Every day, everywhere. Yeah. Got it. That's yeah. Okay. And, and there's, there's, I mean, that, that does, you know, when I was a young guy getting into the business, um, I was just blown away. I'm in Canada. I'm in Vancouver. It's very pristine and we've got the ocean. We've got the mountains and it's very clean, relatively clean here. Um, but I was, you know, I was in Egypt and I was in Indonesia. I was in nine different countries, um, you know, Thailand, uh, Brazil, Venezuela, um, when I was young and my eyes just got blown wide open on how many daily spills, chronic spills, um, are happening everywhere. And yeah, the big ones get on the news. They stay on the news for, you know, six months whatever it is, you know, for the Exxon Valdez in 18, 1989, that was a big one, right? I mean, we were in, I was involved in that as a younger guy. Um, but, you know, and then they disappear and then the next newscast comes on, but we're dealing, I mean, we're dealing with this stuff constantly all over the planet. Yeah. It's really insane. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Hence and, there's, and a, there's, so, a bus- there's a business for cleaning it up, which is, yeah. Yeah, clearly. So that's really mm-hmm. fascinating. And so then, so then beyond that, how many spills, are not even being accounted for, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, it's significant that it must be hundreds a day. I mean, in, in most of the countries now, like the United States in 1990, George W. Bush Sr. put in this thing called the OPA 90 Act, Oil Pollution Act of 1990, making anybody moving uh, oil into or to American waters or around American waters have to be part of a um, a group. They had to have emergency response plans. Uh, so just in case something happened, you had to have a plan. And they also had to be part of a, a cooperative or a, or a group that would actually respond. If, if you came into American waters in California and you had a spill, there's there's groups down there that would come out and help out, right? So they have to actually pay into it and be part of it. That That's now. So they that was all started back in 1990, right after the Exxon Valdez in 89, right? So got it. yeah, so the, yeah, everywhere. I mean, I got, my, my, my father was... Um, uh, in the environmental mapping business back in the, oh God, 80s, late 70s, 80s. And I came on and I started working with him right out of high school. And I was, um, my, my first job with him was uh, right after high school graduation, hungover on an airplane heading for Venezuela. You know what? It was, yeah. Um, kid coming from Vancouver, it was a real eye opener. I was thrown right into the, um, right into the, the pit of despair or whatever it was. It was crazy. And I was flying in helicopters, taking photographs, mapping the coastline for oil spills. But uh, on the first couple of days I was there, we were flying over, look, a little bit too close to the Colombian border. And the fart gorillas, who are still operating there today, even today, were taking pot shots and inhaling our helicopter to get out of the way or they would shoot us down, right? And I was like 17, 18 years old. Yeah, I know it was. That's crazy. not your normal first day at work. No, it wasn't. That, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, now I'm now I'm understanding that. Yeah, I, I learned that with Kevin. He says, "Nigel, your 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 perceived reality is a little bit different than some other people." And I'm like, "Really? I I didn't even I didn't even know that. I thought everybody did that." <laughs> Which is, I've been working on it for many years, unraveling the onion. And then after that, I ended up in Egypt for about five years, on and off. Um, same type of thing. Uh. I was a hel- with, a, with an ex-Vietnam um, um, helicopter pilot. I remember, never forget his name. His name was Johnny. And he took me on a, a survey over the Red Sea. So I had the Red Sea, the Gulf of Suez, and uh, over the Sinai. And I flew over, and he just showed me. And, and there, we had two um, oil um, 
oil executives in the back and I was in the front with the headset on and the helicopter and he was, he could talk to me, but they weren't, they weren't listening. They weren't able to talk. And he said, look, you know, I know you got your camera, um, keep your camera between your legs. Don't let the guys in the back see it. Cause if they see you taking photographs, we could be, both of us could be thrown in jail for spying. Right. Cause we're so close to the Israeli and the, all the borders there. And uh, I'm like, oh, my God. So we dropped them off and then we took off again. And then he took me over the areas where I just saw pipeline after pipeline after pipeline were ruptured and all flowing into the Red Sea. So I was sitting there just banging off photos. I have I still have these photos banging these photos off. Um, this is in the mid 80s. And I'd never seen anything like it. It was like you said, you know, do these things happen? Oh, yes, they do. They're all, it's 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 rampant all over the world. Um, hopefully not as bad as that these days. But uh, that really really opened my eyes to uh to the world yeah and and th- another little story is i've been working there for five years uh, on and off we had an office in alexandria egypt and i go back and forth to cairo and um we were finished the project and uh i was my, my dad my father was flying in um to, to wrap up the contract and we we're going to meet and we we're going to go to london for my cousin's wedding and um I couldn't get hold of my dad. I just couldn't couldn't get hold of him. And I didn't know where he was. He was in Cairo. I was in Alexandria. And uh, I had a taxi driver that was always with us. He was like our guy. And he drove me from Alex to Cairo along this crazy road where um, you know, it was night. And they used to put out, um, if, a, if a truck broke down, they'd take the wheel off the truck, put it behind the truck, set it on fire as a, as a, fla- as a flare thing to, so you don't ram into the back of the truck. The, yeah, something that they did then. And I got to Cairo and um, my dad was missing. So uh, long story short is he had been arrested and thrown in jail for corruption. Um, not going to go into detail about that, but I had to, there was another one of our guys there that helped me escape the country. And I didn't want to leave to get him out or I didn't want to leave him there on his own, but he said, you have to leave because if they grab you too, you'll both be used against each other. And it's not a good thing. So I escaped. I got to London. I took a flight. I got to London. And then six or eight months later, my dad was released. But then I got back to Vancouver and I realized that um, this wasn't all quite kosher what was going on. And um, so I grabbed my sister and another guy and I left my dad's company and formed AquaGuard Spill Response. So we designed, so I was doing the mapping and the environmental planning for companies with my dad. And then, but things weren't, you know, all above board. Um, and I, I just couldn't, I said, there's no way I'm living like this. So he wasn't very happy. We left and uh, started AquaGuard. And yeah, there we, here we are today. Um, yeah. Kind of a really bizarre story, but it's in my book. I got, yeah. I'll talk about well, it. that. That that once again that that's um, typically most people don't start their business because their father is in jail <laughs> in Egypt. Right? <laughs> that's not your typical startup. Um, you know, you know what's interesting though, Carl, is that um, I've been I've been now because I'm older. I'm sixty, turning sixty-one this week, St. Patty's Day, and I've been asked by Kevin and all these other groups. And now I speak at EO EO forum groups and YPO forum groups, and and mostly people that are around guys that are around touching on fifty. And, and a lot of them are transitional generational businesses. Like, like my father was in this, that business. And then I broke away and the hardest thing for me, I think in my life was actually walking into my dad's office and saying, I have to leave. Mm. It was like, that was for me to get up the guts to do that. And just Mm -hmm. to go in and and say, because this was a family business, we were going to keep, you know, that was the way that's the way it is. And I'm like, no, I'm sorry, I, I can't. And that was really, really tough. And then my sister came and another gentleman came with me. 
And uh, those are the most difficult things. And then when I see other people where I do these talks, where I have these talks, and I just share my my experience with this whole thing. Um, there's a lot of people that I sense entrepreneurs that are generational entrepreneurs that their grandfather started their dad and then they're they're the third generation and they they want it they want to kind of do their own thing but they just have they feel that they owe something to the other and it's a really difficult situation it's a really really i just feel for them you know so i was i was there yeah yeah no, I think that that the generation, once again, you described it, it is really fascinating when when there's multiple generation businesses and there's this yeah. there's two things that well, there's multiple different paths, right, that can happen. And sometimes it's this, you know, they're all in and they're supporting, it's all for the family. You know, yeah. sometimes unfortunately yeah. they don't have the same work ethic, right? You know, that exactly. sometimes happens and they just, yeah. you know, especially so, third so generation. Oh yeah. Right. Right. It's, it's, it's super common, right. To have that what's beautiful thing. And next thing you know, they just, they didn't have the same experiences, right. They didn't understand the work ethic that's required, right. To keep a business going. Um, and, and, but then you have, and you've seen it and I've seen it where yeah. that second or third is finally the ones able to actually really to get scale. Yes. True. True. Right. Yeah. You know, that yeah. maybe they had a nice business, but then it turns into an extraordinary business. Exactly. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So mm -hmm. you had an opportunity to really, and once again, I don't know a whole lot about, you know, obviously you're other than this conversation about your dad's business, but <laughs> you were able to scale your business, mm -hmm. but that wasn't an overnight process, No, you know, no. of getting to figure it out when, so I'm curious for you, when, when did the light bulb click of, I need to change the way I'm doing things so I can help scale this business more. Well, there, I mean, the, the one was the first was that day that I walked into his office and, and said, Hey, you know, I gotta, I gotta do my own thing. I, I just can't, and I don't want to end up going to jail. <laughs> you know, I, unfortunately he ended up going to jail again. Um, just a few years. He was 80, 85 and he was in for five years in a, in New Jersey got extradited from Canada into New Jersey because he was doing the same stuff. And then, yeah. And then he passed away last September. So it's, yeah. So wow. It's, yeah, I know. So yeah, it did. So the, it did, it just, so it was, I mean, I, I look back and I go, thank God I got away from that. Cause I would probably, you know, it's your father. You, you kind of do what he tells you to do um, a lot of the time. Right. So yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And then um, yeah, the, the first, I mean, I, you talk about like, seasons we had seasons um so that would be you know getting in that wasn't even the first season we get in the first season where we were in survival mode like it was survival mode and just trying to you know create a client base and that's what i did i i my, the i was really really fortunate because i spent so much time overseas living in all these different countries i met lots of people and i and they were coming to me and say that we need i need help i need can you provide this we got the planning but we need equipment so I'm like, okay. And I was mechanically trained and so was my other, my business partner. And so we said, oh yeah, we can provide you. So we started developing an equipment. We listened to what they needed and we started developing what they needed. And then, and that's what, and then I kind of launched out on the road again, all to all these countries and kind of, kind of leveraged what I had known before. Right. So that was kind of in the first season, but we're still in survival mode. We're, we're in the survival mode. And then, you know, you move into the second season is just like, you know, we, we've got, you know, presence in a lot of different countries done a lot of work in all these different i mean from Ven the venezuelas to the brazils to you know a lot of off the beaten path place where people would never dream of doing business we were you know we were we were we were doing stuff there and um 
so that was kind of our second season. It was just getting the acceptance from our client base that, wow, we, you've got something that we really need. You know, that was kind of, we kind of moved from that to that. And then we were, you know, becoming profitable, which, cause before we weren't really, I don't think we were that much very profitable. I doubt it. Um, and we self, you know, funded everything. And, and, um, so it, it just, it just grew that way. And then, you know, we, we went into the, I guess the third season was, you know, getting more, you know, more and more acceptance around the world. And then we're in, suddenly we're in, in 104, 105 countries, um, doing business and, um, yeah, yeah. And then, then we were profitable and then we, I guess we moved into, you know, the more later, later days, the past 10 years or so it's been, you know, really, you know, triple bottom line. So give it, you know, what can we do to help the communities and give back and, and, um, yeah. So it's, um, it just, yeah, it was just, it was, uh, again, it was very organic. Um, it was extremely organic, but for myself, um, you know, going, 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 cause we started in 19, uh, in 92, right. So it was 30, 32 years or 31 years, whatever it is, 31 years now. Um, it, um, yeah, it was really, it was really interesting. Cause I was, I, I wanted out uh, probably 10 years in, I wanted out, you know, 10 years mm. into this thing, I probably wanted out. I'm like, okay, I'm done. I'm just so burned out. I want out. Like a lot of people do a lot of entrepreneurs. Like I've, you know, I've kind of got to this point. I, I want to get out. And so I, I made a, a mistake. This is my mistake that I made is I would hire, I would poach um, CEOs or general managers. First, it started with general managers. So I bring a general manager in for our competitor, drop him in and think he could take run the whole thing. Well, that didn't work. So then I changed the name. I'll bring him in. He's now managing director. Okay. That didn't work. Now he's <laughs> I kept changing the name. So I did it three times over probably about 10 or 15 years and it didn't work. And um, I was working with Kevin Lawrence at the time. And um, I just didn't realize that we had organically been growing people inside the company. We didn't need to bring them from outside. And the people, yeah. and my business partner now, he's he's forty two. I'm sixty one. Um, so he's he's running everything. He's our CEO, and he runs everything. He's my business partner. But he was with us since he was eighteen. But organically, he came up through the company, and I just didn't see it. I just thought, oh, that's that's. I wanted easy fixes. I want out. And so I poach, I would poach somebody, I'd, fl- I'd drop them in, parachute them in, didn't work. Next, didn't work. And the three, three times. And then the fourth time, it was like, he was there all the time. And I just couldn't wow. see it. I couldn't see it. And it was the best thing that uh, I've ever done because now I have the, you know, I had the freedom and yeah. Yeah. And in, um, was it 20, 2012, I was able to set the business up. So 10 years ago, say 10, say about 10 years ago, I was able to set the business up pretty much to run without me. Um, so my business partner was running everything. Uh, we set up a compensation package. So um, I scaled back on my salary. I took dividends. He had dividends and uh, he had salary and he had a bonus fairly uh, because sweat equity, he was putting more sweat equity into the business. Than me, fair enough. Uh, and um, so I've been able to step way back over the past 10 years and he's been, he's been, um, he's been running the show. And, um, I just talked to him. I haven't talked to him for about two and a half weeks. I just talked to him now for about an hour before I head off to New Zealand. So, yeah. And, and so th- that's the part that if you've been listening everyone in our audience here, you're getting ready to do a six week journey to New Zealand, New Zealand. Yeah. So, to visit my son. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mountain biking. And, <laughs> and, 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 but you still have your business. And so that's, I do something that is not common, right? It's not common that right. the, the, the entrepreneur who built their business for 20 plus years yep. 
finally has the confidence to let go, take that right. leap as, right. as your book you know, says, yep. of, of being able to walk away and have confidence that you built the people processing systems in place so you right. can actually walk away. And, and I love what I think what you what we talked about in our pre-talk prior to this, you know, today hmm. is why sell it now? Yeah. Yeah. Right. You kind of got to that spot. I mean, I, I know it could change tomorrow, but you yeah, got this like really fascinating thing where you could still have mm-hmm. the business, right? You could still have this opportunity. Yeah. And then you had still a better platform to be able to share your story with other entrepreneurs, right? When you're talking through EO and things of these, these exactly. I, I think I'm not, I, you know, I haven't, I still got the company. I'm still involved, you know, a little, I get all my reporting. I get, you know, my phone calls with the guys and I, you know, and I enjoy, and I go for coffee, I go and I go for coffee and I chat and, you know, it's nice. And I, I enjoy that. I mean, you know, I, I, you know, if I see customers, you know, I, I, if I'm traveling, I'll, you know, I'll go and I'll meet my, or my reps. Cause we got reps all over the world. I'll go and we'll have, you know, dinner with their family and, it's just, it's just fantastic. But I, I was able to, and I mentioned, so in 20, 2012, I was able to set it up to, 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 to run without me in 2014, 2015, I took my family and we traveled for a year off the wow. path around, around the globe. And we we're in Myanmar and Burma and uh, Myanmar and uh, Bhutan and like uh, South America all over. And um, yeah. And it was, it was, it was my dream. That was the one thing that I had on my list. So Kevin Lawrence and I, we set up uh, an asteroid belt and uh, all the things that were in the way of me accomplishing, you know, what I needed to do, little asteroids and big asteroids. And, and day one, we started knocking off the little guys and getting momentum. And and then we hit the bigger ones. And then and then at the end of the day, you know, on, on my list, my, my, my dream list of what I wanted to do, I wanted to basically set the business up to run without me and take a year off and travel with my family. At that point in time, that was, I couldn't have think of anything better to do. Spend time with the family, traveling for a year. There's not much that's really come close to that. It's incredible. And so Kevin um, gave me a call one day in, um, in 20, just in 2014. And he said, Nigel, you know, we've got one more thing on your list that we, you know, we want to take care of. And I'm like, okay, what is that? <laughs> and he goes, you know what it is. Come on. I'm like, yeah, I know. I know. It's like, it's take a year off and travel with the family. Right. And I go, I can't do it. And he's just like, no, that's, that's your dream. That's what you wanted to do all along. We did all this work to get to this point. And he's like, you, that's what you wanted to do. Did you change your mind? I'm like, no, he says, but I can't. And I started listing all of the things in my head it was my, my conscience, my conscience, my ego is my ego saying, I can't leave because I got, you know, the business, um, you know, all these other things in the house and the, the dog, the dog, the dog, the dog, dog's the most difficult thing. You got to find somebody to look up your dog. And he said, is your wife there? And I said, yeah, she's here. He said, well, ask her. And uh, so I yelled over to Reiko, my wife. And I said, Reiko, you still want to take that year off? She said, absolutely. And I'm like, oh, and she had no qualms. No, and, and so we made it happen within three months. We planned nothing. We uh, got on the flight and we, had, we ended up heading to uh, Southern France to break ourselves in because my cousin from London happened to be there. And, and then we ended up, um, yeah, in like 17 countries. And then, uh, yeah, it was absolutely incredible. That was, my, that was my goal. And it was a lot easier to set up than I'd ever dreamed it was all in my head. It was all in my head. It was all, it was all my ego saying, Nigel, you, you know, you're this important, you know, you're an important guy. You need to stay. No, it's all a bunch of BS. Um, I didn't need to be there. They were running the company much better without me. And to be able to spend that time with, you know, your family, my kids were, my, my daughter was in ninth grade. So we homeschooled her. 
which wasn't that bad. And my other son had just graduated from high school. So he was, uh, he was hanging out with me. And I did go to, you know, a few uh, meetings and things. I met with the IMO in London and I took my son with me and we did a slideshow and he'd run the thing and ask. And, and I, and I re- it was, you know what the coolest thing was, is traveling with your son or your daughter at that age, when they're 17, 18 or 19 or whatever it may be, is to take them to meetings. And no matter what level meeting it is, if it was a very, very high level meeting, they love it. The people that you're meeting with love it. And they go, they're like, oh my goodness, this is really cool. Thank you. So, and they chat with your kid and they, and it's really interesting. And it's really interesting to see the dynamics when, when you do so. It's so different. It's so different. And I just found it, um, found it incredible. Yeah. But I didn't, like I said, yeah, I didn't, uh, I got a story about, uh, not selling the business and why, but, um, if you, whenever you, well, no, I, I think it's, I think it's super fascinating. I, I just went on a little tangent there, but just yeah. related to what you said is hmm. there's that concept of taking your kids to work day, but it's usually this yeah. canned program, yeah. 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 right. You know, and, and I love the concept of it being organic of no, just like come and literally follow yeah. me around and see what I do and understand or be in some meetings. Exactly. Um, my son, who's at a, just starting, he had an internship and he ended up, he's joining them uh, with a uh, investment banking firm, but that's that hmm. they said, you can go into any meeting you want. Wow. Wow. Fantastic. Like literally, like yeah. literally it was like green light, any meeting you want to pop in. And so he's been meeting with some of the most successful, Fantastic. this is you, Zach, if you're listening today, um, you know, it, it's <laughs> how cool though, how, what a cool it's opportunity, so cool. It you is. know, and it's like, well, why don't we think about that more? Right. So I then know. people can really learn a, and then B go, do I really want to do this? You know, cause yeah. why, why do we want to bring in people who don't want to do that? Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, you want to really make sure you have passion, you care about it. So, yeah. So I just, I'll just, I'll just add a little, another little yeah, line into please. that. So another really cool thing was, is that, um, so my kids, you know, they, they came, we're in London. And so I bought my son a, a cheap suit, took a cheap suit. We go into all these meetings in London. So we're doing that. And then we ended up in Brazil and uh, I had, uh, I was going on an offshore supply vessel. We had one of our big pieces of equipment on this big offshore supply vessel, right? So my son comes with me and when this, when this little tender and we're going out, out into the ocean and uh, there's the ship and we got to climb up that rope thing to get on board the ship. Right. Cause we move up and things are pitching and rolling and, and he's got his coveralls on hard at glasses and you know, he's a strong kid, but he's never done anything like that before in his life. Right. <laughs> and like up you go, man. And so he climbs up, he just been in London meeting with the IMO in his suit. Right. And now he's on an offshore supply vessel with coveralls climbing up the side of a ship. Right. And he's up there and then our guys are there and um so we had a team of guys there too so i went for lunch with the the crew inside and the captain and everything and uh but he stayed outside with our guys and they're teaching him how to run this massive piece of equipment off the side of the ship you know so he's he's learning how to run this thing with a remote control and it was the most incredible thing but i liked what you said it, it allows your your kids to get a flavor of what they may want to do so i took them to all these different things and they, I said, so what do you guys want to do on this trip? Like we're going away for a year. What do you want to do? And they said, both of them, my daughter and my son said, well, we'd like to take some acting classes. I'm like, oh, I've never heard that before ever. So in London, we, we booked them into an acting school for six or eight weeks or something like that. And they went like, you know, a few times a week or whatever at acting school. And which was really cool. They got to film uh, in, in uh, Crystal Palace um, train station and do all this stuff. Right. So I'm in Brazil on the ship. 
And uh, we get back to shore and in there and my son, Dev, he's like, I, I got to go home. I got to go home. I'm like, why? Why? Like we says, well, I decided what I want to do. And I'm like, yeah, what do you want to do after all this experience? He says, I want to be an actor. <laughs> no he, kidding. He flies home on his own. He he auditions to get into acting school and he and he did it. And he, he's now an actor. He's on all these TV shows and stuff and commercials. And it's so funny. But yeah, that's that's quite funny what you said there. You know, you get you get a sense of what and boom, off he goes and. That's what he did. That's what he's doing. <laughs> so he had no interest in wearing the suit nor uh, being on the overall. No, he likes he likes dressing up in costumes and he's a fire. He has a fire spinning company, too. So they do uh, weddings. They do big corporate events and him and his girlfriend do fire shows. They like they light things on fire and they spin it. And yeah, yeah, pretty cool. <laughs> and he's my co-host on my podcast. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, so yeah, wow. Yeah, that yeah. is that is uh, so. Of course, I think this is going to be a blended answer because I could ask the business side. Mm. If I'm somewhat interested in it, but you, you've done something which I think, which few people get to get towards, right? Which is um, being able to not only have a successful business but actually get to live live the value of what it's creating, right? right. You, know, you, you you're getting getting it to actually appreciate. The, if you may, the wealth that you have created mm. and, and, and to actually be able to rest and enjoy and, and see things, which of course it's, you said this was not an overnight event, right? This took no, a long time, is, 20 plus is. years yeah. to get yeah, to there. 30, 30 plus. Yeah. yeah. 30. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. To get fully there. So I'm curious for you, you know, how are you measuring your own success today? You know, how mm. do you, how do you measure that in this new role that you have? Well, I mean, it's completely changed from when it was full on business, 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 because it was all business, it was profit. And then even in the business, then it changed to, you know, your triple bottom line, like, okay, you got the profit, but what can you give do to give back? Um, I mean, these days now, I mean, the past, it's been at least 10, 10 years, I've uh, been kind of on this path, where it's been uh, families, number one, no matter, no matter what, um, which took me, a, you know, a long time to figure that out because I was so busy in the early years, spend most, I'd be away six, eight weeks in Asia. I'd be bouncing all over. And I had three little, little kids. And, uh, I had a friend of mine, um, he was an ex, uh, a professional football player in the Canadian league, a big lineman, huge 300 pound guy. And he was in uh, the entrepreneurs organization. He had joined and he coaxed me to join. And I joined, I, I was a member for like 18 years. Credible. Great, great, great. But he grabbed me by the scruff of the neck, he, like literally like banana hands. Like the guy had hands like bananas and he grabbed me by the scruff of the neck and he goes, Nigel, I've noticed your way all the time. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's, I'm, I'm doing it. You know, uh, he goes, why you, you never see your family? I'm like, yeah, but I'm doing it for my family. He goes, bullshit. No, 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 no. Says, you got to spend more time with your family as you'll lose them. And I'm like, and I, I had no idea. I thought I was out there doing this for the family, but I, it was those long periods away. I mean, it's like, they didn't, they didn't know me anymore. Right. So then that, that switch went off and I changed everything. So then later on in life, I mean, not even later on in life, I made a point of being at all my kids, hockey, soccer, martial arts. Well, I tried to be able to my daughter skating and her horse riding uh, stuff, but it was like, it, it was, it was in the, it was in front of my, and I never, unless he had grabbed me and shook me, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have done it. And I mean, that's the way we've been, doing it for years and years every you know we'd be tra we travel with the family um and then giving back with the family like we uh, my my buddy in my forum group my eo forum group um he was doing um a lot of work in uh, mexico uh, building homes for the homeless and so he invited us to go and i went once 
went twice. And then my kids came back and the deal was they could take an extra day off school if they did a presentation for their class. So then um, my daughter did a presentation and she was like in kindergarten or something or grade one. And I helped her with the slideshow. And then next thing you know, the phone's ringing when I came home and um, all these people wanted to come to Mexico to help build homes and bring their families to Mexico. Oh, wow. And so we didn't know what to do. We did. We just went and we took part. And next thing you know, we're leading these trips and we've, I don't know, we've probably taken 700 people to Mexico. I don't know, gone like 18 wow. times and with our, all our kids and all our kids and extended families and multiple people have come multiple, multiple, multiple times. And I just found, you know, giving you know, the priority became, you know, the family, but then doing stuff and giving as a family. Yeah. I don't think anything, I don't, I don't really think, I mean, maybe there is anything more powerful than giving back, but as a family is pretty mm. cool. It was pretty, pretty cool because now my son, my oldest son's 28 turning 29 and his buddies in the neighborhood here, I, I run into them. They go, Hey, Hey, Nigel, you know, when are we going to go back to Mexico and build? I, and I'm like, dude, like you can go take your own group now. Like you're 29. Like you guys, you know, leave the nest and go. Right. <laughs> But I do, I get it all the time. And a lot of them say that that was the, they would rather do that. I, I mean, sometimes I have find it hard to believe this. I'd rather do that than go sit on the beach in Hawaii. I'd rather go and volunteer in Mexico. And I'm like, really? And and I, you know, I really think it comes from their heart. And I think they really, they really do mean it. Yeah. So that's kind of what, um, uh, yeah, like sex, success now is um, it's all, you know, uh, spending time, you know, doing things, um, you know, with the family and then, and then giving back and uh, helping back in the communities around the globe. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, uh, I think that's a beautiful way of how you've described it, right. Is, is you, you described actually real life experiences of how not only a first you had this, I love it. You know, you had the banana hands, you needed a 300 pound lineman, right. right. First shake you, shake you literally shake you. I know. Right. And then, and then secondly, you started acting and then, and then you took it really to the community level, right. And family level, extended right. family level. Right. Right. And, and I think that's, that is truly, it's truly amazing. You know, you, you share, people don't know this, but you shared with me this trip you just did with look like about 10, 12 people or something like that, mm. you know, going up into Whistler, beautiful uh, day. Oh, the back country, the back country ski trip. Yeah. 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 Mm. And, but once again, you, you've been, you've done, you've experienced, you're having it doing with community. And I think that's just, I think it truly is. It's, I think you're a great testimony to the why. And I think it's so fascinating too. If so many people I know that they'll say they're doing it for family. And I, I'm not excluding myself from the statement. When I say this, we're doing it for our family, but then if we're not with our family or really doing it for our family, what's the point? Yeah, I know. Yeah. So I, think I, I know I learned, um, I learned many years ago cause I was in the entrepreneurs organization forever. And then I went, I got into this program called birthing a giants in, uh, MIT in Boston, which is an offshoot of EO. And then, um, you know, we kept our group together. It's a three-year program, but we kept our group together for like 18, 19 years. And we called it gathering of Titans. Yeah. And, but I remember the very first day that I went, um, and it's called the Endicott house. I think a lot of your listeners have probably been there or, or taken part in, in, in this cause so many people have, 
And um, I remember driving up the driveway in the, to the Endicott house and just feeling that whole imposter syndrome thing come in. I'm like, I don't belong here. These people are smart and intelligent and oh my God, you know, this, you know, what do I, I don't belong and almost throwing up in my mouth, you know, cause I get, I get, I get, I would get like that. Like I'd be so nervous and I go in and then Vern Harnish, who, um, who was the facilitator of, um, of the whole, of the whole program. Um, he, well, the one of the first things he said was that, um, you know, how many of you guys have a, have a, have a coach, right? And I just hired Kevin, I think at that time, and I was having a really hard time in my business. I didn't know what to do. I was, I was just pulling my hair out. I was, I had no, I had no idea of what I was doing. And, um, Vern said, how many of you of the 75 of us have a coach, right? And I kind of like, oh, all these guys have coaches. They're all really smarter than me. So I kind of ginger, I look at my head down. I gingerly put my hand up like whatever. And then Vern goes, what, three of you, only three of you out of 75 really smart business people have a coach. He said, he said, let me tell you. <laughs> and I'm sitting back. Oh, he says, let me tell you. He said, every, every, um, successful, uh, person, business person, whatever it is, athlete, you know, one or multiple coaches. And he said, you guys need to need to get a coach. And I had already hired, I'd had Kevin just a few weeks and, uh, you know, that really, that really, really changed that, that, that whole changed my life. Yeah. And I forgot what I was, there was a point that I was going to talk about Vern as well. Just, I lost it. <laughs> now, I think your story though, on that though, that specific point of, of the coaching is, um, I, th I think it was maybe Zig Ziglar who first said it. And I, I know yeah, Darren yeah. Hardy says it now, but yeah. the concept of, if you're not putting 10% investment back into yourself, yes. yeah, right. And, and, and part of that 10% should be getting a coach to help, help you, you know, we, here I am in strategic planning execution. Exactly. That's what exactly. I do. Yeah. I still have my own problems with my own strategic planning execution, right? Of course. It's, it's you know, and and so, and why, right? It's because I'm not self-reflecting. It's hard to self-reflect. You, you need somebody else to bounce it off of to say, hey, you know, there's a better way there, yeah. and, and and get over yourself, right? You know, that, yeah. that kind of concept. Yeah. Unless you're bouncing it off somebody, it's not real often. And, exactly. and I think a lot of times we need somebody else to, to kick us, but be that 300 pound lineman you do. Right, to shake us and wake us up to say, why aren't you? So I, I think that wisdom is, is brilliant. You know, getting, having, once again, investing back in yourself, once again, reading courses, et cetera, but the individualized coaching and being more consistent, like thinking you just go to one thing for a retreat. No, it, it falls yeah. away so quickly. Right. It, you know, uh, the that's the thing I, you know, and also yeah. with these, these things, I, I was going to this um, birthing and giants GOT thing for years and years and years. 18 years. And then um, EO, we have our EO retreats. We do our retreats and we have our facilitators come in and we do all this work. You spend so much time and money, like money flying to Boston and all this stuff. I mean, the stuff's not cheap. And um, I think the biggest mistake is that we don't, as humans, we're, we're very, I mean, we're all very similar. We come back, we jump right into our business and we just go, 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 go. It's, we need the two days, two days on our own to sit and journal all this stuff out again. Like you've already got your nose, like journal it all and, and put things into pros and actually take, you know, take this stuff to heart and actually put things in action. Even if it's one little thing, you know, we don't do that though. We don't do that. And it, you know, cause it's so hard because we're, we're always so busy and, and uh, you know, it's, but, it's, but we learn so much, but it's the application of the learning. That, that's the important thing is we, we like to go to all these different oh, conferences and events and it's all great. Take all this stuff in. But do we ever use any of it? Maybe three percent of it. And 
it's yeah, yeah, and, and, and you wonder if it's three percent, right? You know, what I mean, it, I know, it's, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it, that's where it goes back to, right? It's not only the reflection, but but putting it into a plan, to doing one thing at a time, or you know, yes. and then and then having your accountability, and that's where I think what's again, like, I kind of think the coach can the, have the coaching with the accountability. Value, right? I know. Yeah, I mean, I've had. I mean, I know Kevin when I started with Kevin years ago. It was, you know, people would give him his car keys. He says, "Okay, you've got the three things that you're supposed to do this week before our next meeting next month." You know, if you haven't done it, I get your car. I don't know if he's ever taken anybody's car, but wow, um, but it's a, a pretty, one. it's a pretty good incentive, you know, and um, because yeah. it's easy just to kind of, oh, you know, I'll, you know, do this later. It's yeah, 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 yeah. I know. And, and then that, that was the thing that, you know, when I, cause I, I've been recently speaking cause I'm older now, I'm, I guess I'm an elder <laughs> and that's my, that's my, that's my, I feel my job now is to share wisdom, whatever, whatever I've learned, good, bad, or indifferent with whoever will listen. And I really find that entrepreneurs in the range of 48 to say 52, where you're kind of in that crux, it's kind of your, I mean, you got your family. Some of them have been, you know, d- d- divorced and married again and more kids and more businesses, but they're just like, ah, they just stuck in this molasses in life. And it's, that's where, I mean, I basically, cause I've got nothing, I've got no agenda anymore. <laughs> I've got no agenda. I don't care. And I basically stood up at the end of uh, this session I had with these YPO guys and, and uh, the whole thing was getting your life back. I was talking about getting, mm-hmm. how, you know, get your life back. And I said, guys, I'm 60. I'm 60. You're 50. I said, you got to do sh- start doing shit now. I said, don't give me any of these excuses that I owe. Oh, oh, when I get to this or this gazillions in my company, or I get this many employees, or stop it. Do it now. Like That's book right. something now. You want to go That's to right. Chile for three months and spend time with your cousin and you take your family and, and, and stay there for three. Book it tomorrow. Go do it. Like, I don't want to hear this. I, it's, I've heard this my whole life. I, I, I've been going to the Entrepreneurs Conclave in Boston for 18 years. I get back there. It's the same stuff. I've got the same guys. No, 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 no. Do it now. Like, don't, don't I, I can't handle this anymore. Like, do the stuff. You, you want to do it. It's your heart telling you you want to do it. It's the best thing for you and your family. Do it. Don't make the excuses. Don't let your ego get stuck. Like my ego was stuck, you know, about taking this trip. Don't, you can't do it, Nigel, because, because no, it's all a bunch of smoke and mirrors inside our heads and our ego. Um, Just do it. And then the really cool thing was after I did this YPO session, I had emails from three of the guys, there were, I think there were nine of them in the forum group. Three of them sent me messages the next day said, oh my God, I booked that trip to Chile for three months with my family uh, wow. yesterday. Okay. And I'm like, okay, wow, that's pretty cool that's so powerful I, it was that's, that's life-changing really, stuff it, i mean yeah yeah it, it yeah that is, but wow. again we make all these excuses we make all these excuses it's just like i like i said i've got no agenda anymore if i can share with i just like this is how this is this is i mean i this is how i screwed around and and, and didn't do things for so many years until i got you know held to my feet to the fire by my coach and some other people around me my even my forum group and then put these things in motion and did it and and did it and and i just thought there was absolutely no way i'd be able to do this stuff it was easier than i've ever imagined and then i've i've been so fortunate so fortunate i have a great you know life and um spend yeah i don't, I don't know what else to just, say just just last night i um, or yesterday afternoon i was with a dear friend um and and, and they're they're at that end, end stage of life like like it's it's yeah. um yeah 
like end end like end end and oh, okay. um yeah they so but what are the, what are the one things i said is I, I wish i'd travel more i know everybody you know, know. and so and we just assume uh, there's this wait for oh i'm gonna wait 30 years for my oh. retirement check so to speak or to get no. my pension so to speak or to get this or that but there's no guarantee that you get there that you have what you have and secondly you don't know if you're gonna have your health anyways at that I point i know so so take advantage I, i'm with you nigel oh, take yeah. advantage of this stuff today yeah and and i'm hoping so how about this? This will be our challenge, right? If somebody's yeah. listening right now and you're motivated, send us, you know, you got my send email, Project Cox at 40strategy.com. I'll pass it on to Nigel. Um, and, and that will make us joyful, right? That somebody exactly. took a trip that yeah. is meaningful yeah. and, and get out there. Um, exactly. So and, we got to um, finalize a couple things here, Nigel, yeah, because sure. unfortunately I got to got to actually other i gotta actually do other things and be on podcasts unfortunately um this has been amazing i'm so grateful so i think i mentioned this beforehand what, what's a book Not, well um, i'm reading yeah i'm reading i'll tell you yeah. a book i'd recommend i'll tell you right now as i just finished it last week really good arthur c brooks strength to strength which basically talks from going from your strengths in your earlier years to your second part of your life 45 45 and above whatever it is um going from strength to strength really really hit the nail on the head for me i really recommend that yeah and, and he does a, he did a podcast with um i think joe rogan peter atia um yeah there's a whole bunch of uh, guys that he, he does a uh, podcast with but it's uh, arthur c brooks yeah really good wow that's that's fantastic thank you for the recommendation because i hadn't no heard of that book yet so thank no you worries. so much how can people nigel connect and learn more about you um, nigeljbennett.com. So you can get on my website. Uh, if you want a copy of my, uh, my book, actually all my hundred percent of the proceeds from my book go to, um, charity. So the one in Vancouver is Covenant House, which works with at-risk youth and all my speaking. Uh, if anybody's kind, I don't take feed. They can donate straight to, um, Covenant House as well to help out at-risk youth. So yeah. So it's nigeljbennett.com. So everything is on the website. Nigel, it has been an absolute privilege to have you on the Measure Success Podcast. Thanks for sharing your wisdom thanks, with our audience. No, thanks, Carl. Really, really appreciate it. Actually, there's there's one little other thing that I've I've done. I've really this changed my life again. Past three years during COVID, got into a morning routine, and that's basically getting up, do some breath work, do some stretching before I do anything else. And then I got into the Wim Hof breathing and the cold plunges and the like. I do all that too, but you don't have to do that. Um, super powerful centers mm. you for the day if mm. there's one little thing take away get into a morning routine take an hour on your own get up at five get up at six, whatever it is do your breathing and then and then, then head off in your day it's totally no changing. you nailed it because that's the habits that we like to ask people what yeah. you're doing and, and yeah. so you you crush that a great ending and i and i love it how once again there's simplicity but consistency right i think consistency that's, that's, yeah i'm addicted yeah. to it now I, I have to do it i feel strange if i don't so which is a good thing i guess that's awesome. <laughs> oh, hang on. And, and to everyone else is listening, we hope you've enjoyed this podcast. We're so uh, grateful to have great speakers and, and great guests and incredible experiences, wisdom uh, that Nigel had. So thank you so much once again, Nigel. And to everyone else is listening, uh, as we always like to say, we wish you the very best and measuring your success. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Measure Success Podcast. We'll see you again next time to learn from the best. Remember to subscribe now to get future episodes.